Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter, episode two. I'm Russell and this is my daughter, Rebecca. Hello. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm not too bad. I've enjoyed this week. I was going to say, um, how have you enjoyed this week's listening compared to, I suppose, last week's? I've enjoyed it a lot more this week. I think I'm, I'm getting into it now. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I know what, yeah. And I think now we're, I mean, we're still early 80s, but now we're getting into a bit. And recognising a few few things, which you'll find out as I talk about it, but I'm enjoying it, that's for sure. Good, good. I mean, we are still very, uh, I mean, I suppose last last week it was very um, raw, as in the music, whereas this week I suppose it's a bit more polished um, as more people are starting to use synthesizers. But we are still very much in 1980s, or oh, 1980. Yeah, you can still, it's still early, but... Yeah, it was definitely more enjoyable and more something that I want to listen to rather than just all the instrumental. So it's weird how much it's changed from last week to this week as well. So I think that's made a difference. But I hope your week went well and you're ready for this week as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, um, I am looking forward to it. However, just before we start, I do want to just raise something that I, I overlooked when you said it last week. And that was, um, we were talking about Craftworks, um, Computer Love and Coldplay had used it on talk. I don't know if you ended up listening to it. I did. Obviously, I said about they got permission and used part of the, the music. But what I didn't pick up on is when I, we was talking about Coldplay, you said, I don't really like Coldplay. And I just want to pull you up on that. I don't know how I missed that because Coldplay are a carry on from the 80s. They're influenced very much one by craft work. So from electronic side of it or synthesize of it. And also um, they're very much into a ha. And before I even knew that, I was already a big fan and own quite a substantial amount of their, their albums. And they're a big band of today or... You know, I think they're still around and making music, you know, in a big way. So, yeah, I just wanted to pull you up on that one. That um, That isn't my view, even though I didn't say anything last week. It was more a case of I just completely missed what you said. Well, my music obviously isn't influenced by you as much as you thought. <laughs> no, no, I like some of their music, but they're not ones that I would go to and put on. Like, I did listen to Computer Love and Talk before the vocals came in and I listened to talk first and I was like oh I know this song so I do like that song and uh, and you really can tell that it's come from computer love because I literally listened to the beginning of talk vocals came in I was like right enough of that let's put on computer love and literally within the first like second um I turned around to my partner Connor and went Connor can you hear it like it it's exactly the same like obviously it's a different instrument but it was exactly the same and I was like wow yeah so I did notice it and I do like the song talk and I do like a lot of Coldplay songs like they are you know ones that everyone does know but they're not one that I would just put on. Okay I just I just wanted to set the record straight before we before we start this week. Make sure that people know that you like Coldplay. Yeah yeah because uh, as I say I didn't even pick up on it last week when you said it. Anyway um, moving on to this week. Let's talk music. Let's talk music yes. So you had Buggles Gary Newman and the Tubeway Army and Joy Division stroke New Order. So first of all, from those three artists, who were your favourite songs of each? So my favourite, I think Buggles is obvious. Video killed the radio star. As soon as I saw that, so last week I was like, I don't know that any of these. I was like, nope, never heard of any of them. And then Dad sends me a list of songs that are like here and then I can listen to extras. But Video Killed the Radio Star was in there and I did, I turned to Connor and went, I'm listening to Video Killed the Radio Star. And I literally just started singing it. So that one was the one that I like from Buggles. 
Gary Newman was Cars, which again, I recognised a few of um, his stuff as well. And from New Order and Joy Division. Now, because they are like two different groups, I picked one from each. So I picked Love Will Tear Us Apart and True Faith. But I've also got questions about them. Which are no different to if you sort of asked me the same question, if I'm honest. Okay. Yeah. So I I think with New Order, it'd either be Blue Monday or True Faith. So out of all those, there was a couple of number ones. Oh, a couple this week. Yes, yes. So out of the ones you've chosen, who do you think would be number one or two? Well, I'm gonna gonna go right in there. Video killed the radio star. I think was definitely a number one, considering that I knew it straight from the uh, song title. And then I want to say, feel like it would be like a New Order or Joy Division song, or maybe oh, I don't know, maybe Our Friends Electric by Gary Newman. Actually, even though you went for Cars as your favourite, that's that's what I liked. But it doesn't mean that that's what. Okay, so we start with Buggles. You've already touched on, obviously, Video Could the Radio Star, which was their main hit. I will be honest, this week I've cheated. They're not all 80s songs. I didn't think so. So, because Buggles, you only gave me three songs to listen to. So I decided, I was like, right, okay, now I need to hear a bit more, need to know, because Video Killed the Radio Star, you really know. And then the other two you gave me, um, Clean Clean and The Plastic Age. So they were the only ones you gave me. And I was like, right, let's see what else there is. So I just went on Spotify and I just typed Buggles in. And they've only got one album on there. So whether they were, like, I already thought with Video Killed the Radio Star and you give me three, I thought, okay, were they like a one-hit wonder? Like the other two that I hadn't heard of or even recognised. So that was my first thought about them. And then you didn't give me any videos to watch from them either. So I had a look on like videos and I think it'd come up that it was before, I think it was like 1979, not sure. Correct, yeah. So that's what I was going to say. But you've mentioned about there was only one album. They actually made two albums in the 80s. However, their three hits, which is the ones that I gave you to listen to, because I'm only giving you songs that were hit in the top 40 to listen to. But all the three songs that were hits were off their their first album, The Age of Plastic. And then they had another one, which was Adventures in Modern Recording. But obviously it was more a hardcore fan one rather than a ones for hits it might be that they never released any songs off that album i don't know because yeah, that album isn't even on spotify no so it, it, you know so as i mentioned last week i have a the album it's electric number one blue monday new order is on there track 15 our friends electric the tubeway army and then track 18 cars by gary newman but there is no buggles on that but on an old vinyl i've got electronic they are listed on there so they are classed as electronic, even though I wouldn't say they're, they're fully electronic. And that's why I wanted to bring them up. Video Killed the Radio Star was number one in 1979. And then the other two were minor hits in the 80s. Plastic Age, 1980, got to number 16. So it's in the top 20. And Clean Clean, also in 1980, got to number 38. So they were both top 40s, hence why you listen to them. But they didn't get into the top 10, so they weren't classed as major hits. Okay. I did, but actually, when I was writing notes about them, you saying they did, they were classed as electronic, but they don't sound it. I did write they're not as electronic as like last week and the others, so I, I found that as well. It didn't feel like they were using the synthesizer as much, or if they were, they weren't using all the electronic sounds. Sure. I mean, if you look, if you watch the video for Video Killed the Radio Star, you, you do see them with a synthesizer, but I don't think they use the sound as much. 
The reason I I um, have given you Buggles is Trevor Horn is literally described as the man who invented the 80s. So what he done after Buggles, he became a producer and he produced a lot of the music in the 80s. Now, he and it wasn't just synth pop. He used it. I mean, if you look at his songs and break them down, he done um, Owner of a Lonely Heart for Yes, Join as well. But he become a songwriter stroke producer with them. That was in 1983. But before that, he um, he wrote for Dollar and produced for Dollar. So he wrote Mirror Mirror. He then a single for Spandau Ballet, Instinction. In 1982, he produced that. He um, also produced the full album of ABC's Lexicon of Love. That was also in 1982. So he'd done Spandau Ballet, a single. He'd done a full album for ABC. And then he literally, behind Frankie Goes to Hollywood, who were probably the band, that introduced, you know, that was the first album that I had when I got my Walkman as a Christmas present. So he really was the you know, when people say he um, describe him as the inventor of 1980s, as far as producing, he was. And he was actually, just to link in with last week's, he was who Bob Geldof originally went to see to produce Do They Know It's Christmas. But because of the timelines, Bob Geldof wanted it done yesterday. Trevor Horn is known as a perfectionist. He said, it's going to take me six weeks. Um, obviously, six weeks didn't fit into that time frame. So then he went to Majeur, who, and the rest is history, and they done it. However, in 1985, they re-released it again. It got to number three that Christmas. And Trevor Horn actually produced the second one. He also produced the 12-inch version. So that's how big a player he was. And it was actually Trevor Horn's studios that they recorded it in because he gave them, he gave Bob Geldof, he said, look, have, have, have the studios 24-7 free of charge. So he weren't as much like a musician, you know, like he had this with Buggles, but that didn't go as far and he was more the producer and excelled in that rather than being a musician i guess you can see that with not having many hits what was he in buggles like was he the singer was he like he was a songwriter i think he was also the vocalist but he was with it with um jeff downs they wrote and done the music arrangement they um both then joined yes and then he became more of a songwriter with Yes. And then his wife, actually, um, who was already in that side of the business, they then bought their own studios and then he became a producer. So he was the early 80s. And then when Band-Aid 2 come out in 1989, that was produced by probably the biggest producers at the end of the 80s with Stock Aitken and Waterman. So that, that really is it for Buggles. But I just wanted to bring them in because, because we've obviously introduced Trevor Horn but you're right, they, they, you know, they had one hit, um, it did get to number one, and um, it has been covered by numerous bands, Erasure being one um, in future, and obviously um, it is still a, a song that has stood the test of time. And I suppose, if anything, it, it shows how forward-thinking Trevor Horn was. Funny you say that, because I wrote down futuristic, question mark. I'm only comparing from one week to the next and moving forward in time with that, whereas you know a lot about it. And what, like my opinion was, compared to last week, he does come across that bit futuristic again because um, obviously video killed the radio star and we're only just getting into videos. So, so I thought that just by listening and not having a clue who I was listening to as well. Yeah. And he actually was quite big in America because when MTV first come out, because they had so few videos, it was on like a loop of the amount of you know whatever videos they had and of course video killed the radio star had a video 
they actually had a lot of airtime. And so the, the, the sales in America were actually quite good back on the back of the, the video being played on MTV. He did really well then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, as I say, he, he then went on to produce and that's where he made his name. Okay, so we'll move on now to Gary Newman and the Tubeway Army. So they started off as the Tubeway Army. I was going to ask, what is this, like Gary Newman and the Tubeway Army? Because watching videos, it is literally just like a band and it's only, um, it's obviously, it's got to be Gary Newman who's the singer. Yeah. So it was the Tubeway Army, but then Gary Newman, who wrote the songs and obviously was the singer, then decided, well, you lot don't really do anything. So he changed it to Gary Newman and the Tubeway Army and then just, it just become Gary Newman. Um, and I did touch on them last last week because one of the Visage band members was actually from, was one of his backing musicians when he didn't have the Tubeway Army. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, the, as the Tubeway Army, they had Our Friends Electric. Okay, I like that one. See, I, I recognised a few of these. So, I recognised Our Friends Electric, Pars and We Are Glass. Uh, but I just assumed it was all Gary Newman. I didn't know that Tubeway Army was Tubeway Army by themselves. No, that, that's how he started out, was with the Tubeway Army. I think they only released Our Friends Electric, who obviously done really well, got to number one. And then, I suppose, Gary Newman, he was someone who was ahead of his time, realised, hang on, <laughs> I'm not getting the recognition, really. I do the songwriting and the music. So he became Gary Newman and the Tubeway Army, and as I say, eventually it just became Gary Newman. Knew what he wanted. Yeah. So Our Friends Electric, although I didn't put, I was thinking of putting it on last week as a pioneer, and he was, but Gary Newman has since come out and said he was influenced by the original Ultravox, so John Fox, rather than Majors, so the, the first three albums, uh, especially the third album, uh, Systems of Romance, which Slow Motion was the, the single from. So even though Gary Newman had a number one, and it was the first electronic number one, um, with Our Friends Electric, they got to number one in June 79, whereas Video Killed the Radio Star wasn't until October. So they were the first number one. I was right when you said about who's the, you said there was more than one number one and I said Our Friends Electric. So I was right. Yeah. So you, you were correct with Video Killed the Radio Star and Our Friends Electric. So both got to number one um, and Our Friends Electric actually done it first. So they were the first electronic number one. And again, you know, it wasn't 80s, it was 79. But obviously the majority of his music was obviously stemmed from that moment and then obviously into the 80s. He, he then released Cars. That was also 1979. And that also was a number one. And that was, funny enough, the second electronic number one because that done it in September. So again, before Video Killed the Radio Star in October, it was number one in September. So Gary Newman actually had the first two number ones so although craft were the pioneers because we were talking last week you know how they started in 1975 with autobahn it was gary newman that took it to the next level so to speak so you know who we took, talked about last week omd ultravox and craft they were the first you know to to really start with electronics Gary Newman as I say he he was influenced by ultra the early ultravox but he actually took electronic mu music to the next level. But I guess you have to listen to someone and be able to learn and play around with it. So I guess the first ones 
didn't really know how to hit in the charts and then Gary Newman having their influence so I'll play around a bit and change it up and that's what he did I guess and he knew what he was doing yeah I, I agree I, I would guess the best way of putting it is we're now going into a bit more polished the way people are using it and and producing as I say you know with Trevor Horn you know the way it's produced and used is more polished than I suppose craft work OMD earlier that definitely I mean You've only got to look at the Ultravox with John Fox and the Ultravox with Majeur. The late, the latter albums would have been much more polished, I suppose, in their sounding and the, the way they were produced than the earlier bits, which were, I suppose, not as polished. They were much more raw from the, the synthesizer. And I suppose also as, I mean, synthesizers, that they literally cost the, the, the same as it would be buying a house back then. Um, houses were much cheaper, but the, the, the electronics and the, what was behind a synthesizer back then was the same price but now obviously more people are using them so demand is there they get cheaper and also other there was other makes that would then come out and you'd have more of a of a range to use so um more people then were able to get hold of synthesizers and hence as you come to the, the mid 80s there was a hell of a lot more bands using a synthesizer but they would turn around and say their influence would have been craft work ultravox gary newman from from these earlier ones that we're talking about now I was going to ask, like, because like, I did like listening to it and there were, like I say, a few that I recognised, but is he, like, compared to others we listen to, is he, like, in the middle or d- does he only use a synthesizer as well? Because it's really hard to differentiate whether it's a musical instrument or a synthesizer, which I guess shows how good the synthesizers were to be able to have this whole range of um sounds it can do it's really playing with my mind because then when you watch the videos like you say you said about aha you watch something and a guy was like oh who's that drummer when actually it was a synthesizer but when they play live they do have a drummer so when I'm watching the videos and they're there and I don't always see a synthesizer I'm like okay so is this because they're doing it live or because they actually have a drummer or guitarist and with Gary Newman his music didn't seem as electric so I'm just wondering was he all synthesizer like last week's or does he have a band and instruments because he's got the Tubeway Army but yeah he did have a band and as I say even when he hasn't got the Tubeway Army he still has a backing musicians as all as all groups do all bands so even those that are the hardcore synth it's just that the main music I suppose is from what's been done on a synthesizer programmed in they just press a couple of buttons and you have that array of sounds gary newman was certainly more a synthesizer but he would have had musicians behind but i suppose what he was saying when he dropped the name tubray army and just become gary newman was he was getting across that he writes the songs and he pretty much obviously with the synthesizer gets the the music arrangement that he wants they just add in the the instrument side of it but yeah i would still say very much synth pop music yeah i just wondered gary newman listening to that it was it didn't sound as electric like i say so uh, i think you saying it's more polished i think that's why i've probably enjoyed it a bit more and why i thought it weren't coming all from the synthesizer because it didn't sound as electric Although, funny saying that I liked it, you know, like last week I was like, I can't deal with this. It's all instrument. There's hardly any vocals. Gary Newman does have a few songs like that. I think even Cars is like that. It's not what you hear now where the lyrics are the main focus. 
it is more on the instruments but I did enjoy it more so it it's obviously evolved from the very early 80s to wherever we are now I mean you you do surprise me because I other than I suppose our friends electric definitely and cars and then we are glass as you you said earlier that that's a, a song that I I can listen to after that other than probably complex and music for chameleons I'm not really that big a fan of Gary Newman you know what one I did like I liked Sister Surprise and I thought it sounded similar to Berserker I didn't exactly like Berserker but I liked Sister Surprise so there were a few that I did like like I think um white boys and heroes i liked it but it's not like up there with um, our friends electric and cars so there were a few that i liked from it and i think it is because like you say the more polished so i think it has moved on a bit and that that i think is more going up my street now like it's easier listening so um uh, yeah i mean sister surprise and berserker were they were like 83 84 so they were much later for for gary newman um whereas as i say the early stuff for me you know, Our Friends Electric is a top song, as again, would definitely appear on most or all of electronic or synth pop albums and would even probably even get onto some 80s compilation albums. And the same for Cars. Well, for me to have heard it as well. Yeah, well, there might be a reason for that and we'll come to that in a minute. Oh, OK. I, was, I didn't know if you'd have picked up on it, but we shall come to that um, in a little while. Now I want to really think why I recognise it, but I just assume when I recognise these songs, it's either because, like, Video Killed the Radio Star. I mean, that's a well-known song, and I don't think there's anyone that doesn't really know it. But I assume that if I recognise them, it's because of you. So I guess it'd be hard for me to even think that I've heard it somewhere else. Well, now I'm going to sit and think. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Okay. So Gary Newman actually had nine albums in the 80s. And it literally went from, you know, 1981 or 1980 to 1989. So he literally had an album every year. His first album with Tubeway Army actually came out in 1978. And then he had another one in 1979. So um, he's literally had an album from 78 to 89. And he's still, he's just released an album now as well. So he's still going. He has obviously his hardcore fans. And then he has, I suppose... Uh, fans like myself with the electric side of it and then he has fans that have obviously just you know picked up on his music or just pick and choose what they want to um as i say for me he's he's a much darker sound it's not as upbeat as later on 80s music with electronics so like the pet shop boys the erasures they're much more upbeat much more listenable i think with gary newman his sound has, has pretty much stayed one way and he's He's actually known as a Numenoid. So the people that follow him are known as Numenoids. What on earth is that? Like a droid, a robot. Because he doesn't move in his videos as such. He's not someone who uses age. Dad, I was going I was waiting to get to videos. He doesn't blink. He doesn't blink. I was watching his videos and I turned to Connor and I went, Connor, he's freaking me out. He's not blinking and then he shut his eyes and i was like oh my god he's nope no he's just shutting his eyes it's weird he just stares and a couple i felt a bit uncomfortable i was like he's just staring at me he doesn't blink no it's weird yeah yeah robot yeah i thought you meant his voice then but when you said about him not but yeah he does like i've written it i think on every because i write a bit of what i think of every video i think on every single one i've written not blinking not blinking 
he doesn't blink and everyone I've been like no he's still not blinking and it became something that like I've I watched five videos of his and every one I was like does he blink in this one and that's more what I got focused on I had to watch a couple of videos twice to actually pay attention to what I meant to be paying attention and not just his eyes so there you go yeah he 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 actually um from I've read it how true it is I don't know he went on to I can only guess talk of the top of the pops but a a tv show or tv um interview and they put too much makeup on him and that's why he looked so pasty and he's stuck with that and then because his his eyes looked sunken they put then the eyeliner on and that's what he's stuck with is his look that's where evidently it come from was they put too much makeup on him to cover spots and that obviously in his early days and then he stuck with it and if as i say he's just released an, an album at them this year and the look isn't other than he's obviously aged a little bit it, it's no different from me from what he looked like back back in the early 80s late 70s also i just want to on that when i said he had a hardcore following he's one of the few musicians i know of that actually married one of his biggest fans he's married a fan no he didn't yeah he's married a fan yes so is he a bit weird i wouldn't say he's weird because he does look he does look a bit weird like okay no that's really horrible that so that's just his stage persona isn't it yeah you got to remember we're going into the new romantics and he was obviously so he in a sense he's a pioneer as a, you know as in he had the first number one or the first couple of number ones with the new synthesizer based music but he's also the probably along with steve strange of visage with the the new romantic look with the makeup the um, nail varnish the way they look he would have definitely been one of the pioneers on that on that side of it as well i think he was the first one i've seen with an earring as well all right so yeah i hadn't even thought noticed that but yeah so um yeah he was he was certainly a you know hence he's on the episode two he is definitely um one of the the main people at the the start of the music that we're discussing in this series from from that point of view and definitely from the electronic synthesizer side of it but also from the 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 style of the new romantics as well so he definitely started something. yeah and um as i say he's known as or the people that follow him are known as numenoids and you've already touched on it in his videos he just comes across as a as a, as a robot i suppose or a droid it, you can definitely tell he was one at war, like brought in the makeup. Because obviously last week it was only Visage that yeah, Steve Strange, yeah. 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 Whereas with um, Gary Newman, he has always got eyeliner on, and in she's got claws. He's got the metallic lipstick and the eyeshadow, so it's getting a bit, uh-huh. a bit more. And that, like on, like when I'm looking at the music and adding it to my playlist, like I can see like the album covers. And his album cover is very artsy. And like, I have written down that it's quite abstract, I think, as well. So he did do, he, I think he did play around with it. Uh-huh. I mean, people obviously like him. I did I did like him. I just think I can't watch his videos again. <laughs> so for me, he's not he's not upbeat enough. He's very much the dark. So I like the early stuff, but then it goes very, for me, dark, I suppose is the best way, or not upbeat. I didn't think that. No, and, and that might be just our different tastes in how we look. As I say, the fact he's still going... Um, he's obviously got enough fans and people that like him and go and watch him to to warrant him still churning out the the records. But does he has his music gone along with the time, or is he still producing the same type of 
electronic music. I don't know because without looking what he'd done in the nineties, but I wouldn't certainly know. Um, I mean, the amount of albums he's got listed here is is quite something. Yeah, he's still got albums even in the nineties, so he's literally got one every year. Wow. So yeah. Oh, but then looking at Intruder's artwork, like the album artwork, it's very similar. Like it, it the makeup still very 80 like it's like gothic now i guess when you look at it yeah and that's what's gonna say when he's gone darker whether you'd call it as gothic i don't know but certainly went more that way than mainstream which isn't a bad thing because if once you get too commercial as your well, i guess you've got your fan yeah exactly and that's how he started and he's just kept with what obviously his fans prefer and as we'll find as we we go through these these um episodes of on the bands and groups it does become much more commercialized from the early stuff it's just churning out stuff and anyone could be a pop star from you know a tv star like jason donovan and kylie minogue to boy bands that they put together um because that was how yes yeah, it's following the evolution of music and what people want isn't it yeah yeah as it evolved but i think that what stock aitken and waterman done uh they just commercialized it i think they had hit after hit after hit whereas trevor horn as i say in the early 80s he was the equivalent but he stuck with just one one group and worked on their work he didn't um saturate the whole market um so going back to gary newman then just before we uh, move on to the next one so as i've already said so our friends electric was number one that was 1979 along with cars um complex was also 1979 that got to number six we are glass that was his first hit in the 80s got to number five so still in the top 10 i die you die also 1980 number six the wreckage in 1980 that was number 20 we then went to 1981 as you mentioned she's got claws that got to number six love needs no disguise only got to number 33 but still we'll see in the top 40 Music for Chameleons, that got to number 19, so just got inside the top 20. That was 1982. We Are Mystery, that was also 1982. That got to number nine. White Boys and Heroes, as you mentioned, that was also 1982. That was number 20. So we're still he's still churning out, you know, loads of hits and still in the top 20 with the, the music of, which is, you know, is an early form of um, the synth pop that we, we were to know. Warriors, 1983, number 20. Sister Surprise that you mentioned, 1983, number 32 that got to. So just inside, didn't break the top 20, just inside the top 40. Berserker, 1984, that also was number 32. Change Your Mind in 85, that got to number 17. That's the only one that I've been listening to, by the way. 1986, This Is Love, that got to number 28. And 1986 as well, I Can't Stop, got to number 27. So his bigger hits were all the, the early stuff. And then you can see as as new bands probably have come on, he's, he's still popular, but he's now getting not so many top 10s. He obviously still knew what he was doing to be able to get in the top 40s, though. Oh, of course. yeah. And like you say, he, he's still going now. So his fan base kept him going and still are. So. Oh, yeah, he's got he's got a very um, loyal fan base, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. And he's got to be talented yeah. to still be going. So last week. We had the Craftwork and Coldplay link. Oh, go on. This week, have you heard of a group called the Sugar Babes? Of course. Okay. In 2002, Freak Like Me yeah. was, was sampling Our Friends Are Electric. Or Our Friends Electric. 
So at the end of this, have a, have a listen to Our Friends Electric and then listen to Sugar Babes Freak Like Me, which I think actually got to number one. And they did the same thing. So... Yeah, same again. It's exactly, it's like, it's, it's, it's the music, yes. Right, okay. Oh, that's interesting because like Sugar Babes is like mine. Like... And that might be where you've subconsciously heard it. It's a bit like myself when I was um, researching uh, craft work and I listened to um, Neon Lights and I knew I'd heard it and it was from OMD, but I never knew it wasn't an OMD song until then. So Sugar Babes have sampled, so they've taken, like, like Coldplay, Our Friends Electric. And you'll hear it when you... But you wouldn't expect that from Sugar Babes. Like, they don't, they're not, like, on the same wavelength, I want to say, at all. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to Sugar Babes or whether you heard it in my bedroom when I was listening to them when I was younger, but they are complete, I'd say, like, polar opposites. Like, you just wouldn't put them in the same sentence. Whereas listen to the Coldplay and Computer Love, I don't know, Coldplay are kind of down that route kind of thing. I want to say with the weirdness, but I don't know, Sugar Pays are very mainstream compared to yeah. what Gary Newman would come from and you wouldn't expect Sugar Pays to be taking it from there. Especially the, like, isn't that like a longer, because Coldplay was 14 years, isn't that like a longer gap between the two? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so Our Friends Electric was, as I say, June 79. I've just looked. Freak Like Me got to number one in 2002. Wow. So, yeah. So I'll let you listen to that and we might we just we'll open up next week and you can just comment on that. But Yeah, that's an even bigger. But as I say, it's only a sample, but it is. I, I mean, I'm not a Sugar Bass fan, but I have listened to it while um it was reminded to me that um, it was used. And so, yeah, that, that's this week's shocker for you to show you the influence that 80s music or even, you know, late 80s, uh, sorry, late 70s, um, yeah, have on today's music or future music. Mind blown. There you go. So I will leave you with that and we shall move on then to Joy Division and New Order. So. I'll let you tell me what you want to know about those then first, because you said you wanted to know what the... Yeah, so first, I want to know why they're not New Order and Joy Division. Why have you said New Order slash Joy Division? Are they, like, the same? Did they, like, you know, did they rebrand themselves? Because was Joy Division first? Yes. And then New Order? So did they rebrand themselves? This is what I'm just getting from the fact that I only... You gave me 12 songs. And so, sad story. It's a tragedy. So Joy Division were Ian Curtis on vocals, Bernard Summer, guitar and keyboards, Peter Hook on bass, and Stephen Morris on drums. Okay, obviously they were still an early synthesizer as well, um, as you probably heard it through with Love Will Tear Us Apart, but much more a band than a, than a, I think they would have probably evolved into a more synthesizer. It's hard to know what would have happened. Obviously, New Order definitely are. But anyway, they were a, a, a band that were formed and um, they had a hit with Love Will Tear Us Apart, which got to number 13 in, 90, in 1980. OK, um, their vocalist, Ian Curtis, who was um, married and had a daughter, he had an affair and obviously his wife found out and was going through a divorce. OK, he also... But it's like Gary Newman had a cult following. So um, so Joy Division were obviously very big, not mainstream, but, you know, as far as 
the clubs, the local clubs, the music, and obviously they were just starting to be big. They've just had a, a hit. Um, they were going on a, on a tour of North America, a divorce, a tour. So Ian Curtis, again, he's um, he had an extreme fear of flying and he'd actually asked the band if they could go by ship. But I suppose back then it was still cost and it would have taken much longer. Um, so for whatever reason, they were still going to fly. And unfortunately, whatever was going on in his life at the time, he asked his wife not to divorce him. He'd asked the band, not, you know, can we not go on the plane? But all these things were still happening. And unfortunately, he took his life. Oh, my goodness. Literally the, the day before they were due to travel out on tour. So that's their lead singer, their vocalist. It, very sad. But yeah, so he was only 23. They um, reformed as New Order. So Bernard Sumner, who was the keyboard player, stroke guitar, he became the vocalist. And they... Oh, so they didn't get anyone new in? They did. They they bought in Gillian Gilbert. So she came in and became the keyboardist. She? Joe, you know that's the first she. Yeah. That's the first she. Weirdly, I was going to ask you this week, are there any girl groups happening? <laughs> Because it's all men. Yeah. She's the first she that you've mentioned. Yeah. So she came yeah. on board as a keyboardist. So New Order were the first band to play on Top of the Pops live. Oh, were they? Okay. Yeah. yeah. They were the first band to play on Top of the Pops live. So what were the others doing then? Miming. No. Unfortunately, yes. All, all bands back then, mime. Naughty. All, all, it's all, that's what they knew of back then. There's actually, um, we'll we're touch on it in a much later episode. There's a, if you look it up, um, I think it's all about Eve. There was a malfunction. The song's playing. They couldn't hear it. So they're not singing or playing the guitar. But everyone's listening to it. So after then, I mean, they actually went back on the following week, which is something that doesn't always happen because they, they and they, they actually got a hit out of probably the malfunction as it was in the news, obviously, and what have you. Um, but they're sitting there on their stools. There's the, she's the singer. There's the guitarist. We can as an audience, we can hear it, but they couldn't. And and like the, the people saying, well, just play. But as the bloke said, he goes, one, my guitar wasn't tuned. And then someone else had said the mic wasn't even live. The woman wouldn't have been out, even if she did sing. It, you wouldn't have heard it. It was the, the mic wasn't even live, so they couldn't have done anything. And it was quite not not good to see. And it probably was even worse for them because everyone knows now that people mime or that they were obviously going to mime, and they're just sitting there. The music's playing, and they didn't. I did not expect that because back in the day. I don't know, this might just be me, but I assume there was probably less like auto-tuning, whereas now anyone can become a singer and you can end up being auto-tuned by it comes and people are always like, oh, they're miming, oh, they're auto-tuned. I'd expect back then they were all singing live because they they were like a raw talent and didn't have to have auto-tune, so it would be live. They wouldn't have to worry about not sounding um, the way they do on their album as they do live because it sounds the same. I can't believe that. No. Oh, you're coming out of all sorts this week, Dad, to tell you. Yeah. So, yeah, so they were the first band to sing live. I think it was Blue Monday, but I'm not, not 100% sure. And I'll be honest, I haven't wrote it down and can't remember. But the problem was, because they just had a synthesizer and you just press a button, they asked Gillian, can't you move your fingers? Pretend that the, she's the one making the noise. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was just, you know, they obviously pressed a few buttons, but... They've got the camera and panned on her every now and then and nothing's happening, <laughs> you know. 
And Peter Hook, the the bassist, someone from Kachaguku was on the same show. And they they said, "Oh, you're playing live." He went, "Yeah, you should try it," sort of thing. And um, Kachaguku has since come out. Um, Nick begs of Kachaguku and said he only had three chords to play in that record, sort of thing. You know, it wasn't it wasn't art. He wasn't overdoing it. So obviously, other than Bernard Summer doing the the singing, there um, there wasn't a lot that could go wrong. I suppose it was it they, they played safe. But they still go down as the first live on top of the pops. So yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I, I liked these though. I actually put. I feel like these two were the more popular out of the ones that I've listened to this week, and they did sound like more clubby and probably something that would everyone would listen to, or be something that would be out more rather than just being on the radio. It'd be played in other areas aspects whatever you want to put it like the clubs yeah so they weren't as commercial so they weren't they didn't have a number one they didn't so um i mean nope so blue monday 1983 got to number nine and true faith the one that you and i like um 1987 that was so that's much later but again only got to number four so they didn't where do i know blue monday from i recognize that well, that that's their probably their signature tune. Is it? Okay. So that's as I say, that's the one that's on on my. It's electric. It's electric, and it's probably on numerous other synth pop electric compilations, and it's probably even used on just normal eighties compilations as well, not just even synth pop. It is, you know, as I say, a signature tune. It's a tune of the eighties, and I'm sure it's still played, you know, on on record radio now. Okay. Yeah, because that's the one that I recognised from. Like I say, each of these I've recognised um, at least one song. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just go through. So, so Joy Division, as I said in 1980, Love Will Tear Us Apart, that got to number 13. So just out, it was you know in the in the top 40, in the top 20, just outside the top 10. And then they released Atmosphere. That didn't get released until 1988. So obviously Joy Division wasn't even still around then, um, and that got to number 34. As far as New Order go, in 1981, Ceremony got to number 34. 82, Temptation got to 29. Blue Monday, as I say, number 9 in 83. Confusion, also 83. That got to number 12. Thieves Like Us was 84. That got to number 18. Uh, Shell Shock, which was actually a soundtrack song from Pretty in Pink, which we mentioned last week with OMD. Mm-hmm. That got to number 28. 87, True Faith, number four, which was their biggest hit to date. Touched by the Hand of God, which was also a, from a soundtrack, um, Salvation, not something I've heard or know of, but that got to number 20. 88 was Fine Time, number 11, and then 89, Round and Round 21. They did get a number one with World in Motion, which was in the 90s, which was the England football song. Okay. Might give that one a listen to yeah, yeah, def- definitely. As I say, that that's a well-known song um, and was the England World Cup song of, uh, I'm guessing it was Italia 90. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 1990. So, yeah, Italia 90. Um, obviously, I didn't look at it because we we're just discussing the 80s. But, yeah, so they were still going um, even into the 90s. But, yeah, but I know Peter Hook has since left. So I know that they've obviously, if they're still going, it's it's not won't be the, the same now. Um, just on Peter Hook, just a a strange story that I picked up on while um, reading up on them. 
um, he was actually questioned while with Joy Division, along with, and Stephen Morris, actually, around um, the Yorkshire Ripper case. Because um, the murders were um, that that were happening in and around Yorkshire was at the same time as Joy Division were obviously touring the local clubs at the time. I mean, Peter Hook mentioned it in a in a book of his called Unknown Pleasures Inside Joy Division, and he wrote he and Joy Division drummer Steve Morris were questioned in 1979 by police investigating the then unresolved Yorkshire Ripper case after their touring schedule turned out to be similar to the killer's movements. Um, Cook, Hook explained what happened was that every club we played in was run by a dodgy promoter in some dodgy part of the town. Um, we managed to play in the red light districts of Halifax, Huddersfield, Leeds, Manchester, probably even London. Uh, the police had asked public to note down the license plates of any cars, strange cars in the area, so they could investigate them later. Somehow mine and Steve's cars had gone in the system a couple of times and basically we got picked out and questioned. So um, just a, a little subplot story behind um, the early days of when they were Joy Division of, um, yeah, with the Yorkshire Ripper, which is obviously a big case and people still know of today, even though Peter Sutcliffe, who was eventually found to be the Yorkshire Ripper, has died. Yeah, that, that um, I just thought that even for myself was something that I hadn't heard of. There's them just trying to go on with their life and get their music out there and they're being questioned as to whether they're like killers nice yeah and also just on that um in manchester and that's mainly because of peter hook he owned or he, he owned the rights or the name of the hacinda i think it is hacinda hacinda club in manchester so obviously i mentioned the blitz club last week with london which is steve strange and um randy egan um, and then you had Eric's Club in Liverpool. Uh, the Hesinda Club in Manchester was the big one for all the Manchester bands back then, of which obviously New Order were and or Joy Division, because um, when it was eventually knocked down and turned into flats, they had to get his permission to rename the block of flats the Hesinda Flats or whatever, or something behind it. But yeah, that, so New Order obviously had a had a big draw on the early music scene in Manchester. Bearing in mind when we come to the end of the, when we're talking about the end of the 80s with um, Happy Mondays and Stone Roses, that was the start of the what was known in the 90s of the Manchester scene, I suppose, uh, music scene with all the bands that were coming from Manchester. I would probably say that a lot of influence for those sorts of bands were probably New Order. I haven't looked into it. Um, I'm just surmising that that was what would have been the music they would have grown up to. New Order were the, probably the big band from Man the Manchester area at the time. They probably had a big influence on a lot of that 90s music, that late 80s, 90s music that we we moved into. So New Order definitely had, a, uh, I would say, an influence on that sort of um, the 90s. Okay. Would you say they were quite big then? New Order, yeah. Uh, uh, as, as I say, they they they, um, they didn't have any number ones as such. However, they did. So you had the um, the commercial big record companies who pretty much owned the uh, official record charts because they would have supplied um, W H Smith and the other big record stores at the time with their music. Whereas the 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 little um, small record companies didn't really get a look in as um as much 
However, New Order, who were under Factory Records, which was a, a small record company, they had a um, a big say in what became known as the um, indie chart. So the independent chart. And I have just got here, just to go through, the indie chart of New Order. Ceremony, UK indie chart number one. Procession, UK indie chart number one. Everything's Gone Green, UK indie chart number three. So that was all in 1981. There are two number ones. Um, Temptation was a number one. Blue Monday was a number one. Confusion was a number one. Thieves Like Us was number one. Even Murder, which I hadn't heard of, that got to number 92 in the UK chart, the official chart. In the indie chart, it got to number two. The Perfect Kiss, number one. Subculture, number one. Both of those were outside the top 40. Shell Shock, number one. State of the Nation, number one. Bizarre Love Triangle, number one. True Faith, number one. Touched by the Hand of God, number one. So as you can see, they were big um, outside of the, the mainstream. Yeah, so I guess depending on who your producers are and how you promoting yourself yeah so what i'll read is i'll just read about the uk independent singles chart so the uk independent singles chart and the uk independent albums chart are charts of the best-selling independent singles and albums respectively in the united kingdom originally published in january 1980 so it started in the 80s as more and more bands were coming on board but they weren't with necessarily the big record companies Widely known as the Indie Chart and the relevance of the chart dwindled in the 1990s as major label ownership blurred. The boundary between independent and major labels obviously became a bit more not as vague. Um, so the history behind it was really that Cherry Red Records, which were a uh, London based, I think, small record company and Mute, who funny enough is who Erasure were with and Depeche Mode. Um, they started and, and supported a structure which followed, including the independent pressing, distributions and promotions. And as these labels got bigger and bigger, they then wanted and started having top 10 hits. But it was limited um, because their share of the sales were much because they weren't getting their, their records out there in the third. They weren't getting on. You didn't get on top of the pops until you were in the top 40. You couldn't get into the top 40 unless people heard you. If you didn't hear the music, you wouldn't go out and buy it. So hence, a lot of things were happening, as I say, underground in the in the nightclubs of the Blitz and the Hesiodino and Eric's, where these um, unknown artists that weren't signed up or were signed up to very small record companies were getting their music out. And it's much the same as it happened. I know Aha and others, you know, they used to, um, and I think still now, they, they used to go and... Um, do the student clubs um, in uh, student halls and things like that. And they used to play for the students. And then obviously the students would then hopefully, you know, like them, go out and buy, buy their records. And that's how they got their name. But obviously back in the 80s, because you weren't on the radio, you weren't on top of the pops, you know, you weren't being played by the DJs at the the, the big clubs and that. You'd, so the under underground clubs is, is where you got your music. And then eventually the small record labels would get you on. And then, as I say, it was through the end, the indie charts, independent charts, that you then got your music noticed by the wider range. And then hopefully you then hit the big time, so to speak, and um, and get onto the main chart. But yeah, so although they didn't have a number one as in, you know, the main official charts, as you saw, they did have a, a most of their 
their uh, songs were number one in the independent charts. So they did well in their own sense and way anyway. Oh, yeah, as I say, they, so they were they were well known for those in the music industry or those that like their music in the areas, I suppose. Um, and, you know, I suppose it's word of mouth rather than obviously the mainstream on top of the pops, Radio 1, where they, the music of the bigger acts would have um, taken off. And that's what I'm saying about with Trevor Horn. He was ahead of his time because he set up his own record label. He set up his own studios. Um, he knew how to play the game and used it as his own because he was ahead of the bigger record companies who didn't, he, they didn't see the change happening from from what was happening in the 70s, where music obviously did get more popular as music was more, I suppose, um, listened to by the by the general public or, the, you know, people who wanted to listen to music. They'd go out to, like, you know, discos and what have you. They didn't cotton on to this new genre of, you know, the electronic side of it and what was happening as quick as what Trevor Horn did. And hence, going back to the start of um, tonight's episode he um was i suppose yeah the inventor of of the 80s and i think um that's probably a good place to leave it other than telling you what for for next week do you not want to hear whether they're hit or miss first yes sorry the reason behind it then yeah have you been coaxed into uh liking any of the acts so hit or miss on on term tonight's three so we start with Buggles. So Buggles, I mean, they're a hit animus because when you think about it, Video Killed the Radio Star, like I say, anyone hears it, they're going to be like, I like this, I know this. So that, I think, is still a hit now. But as a whole, they didn't go very far. Like you say, they only have three hits. So I'd go miss in that sense. But with their one song, that is a hit. And today I'd still say it is a hit. Okay. Gary Newman? Gary Newman, on the fence about him. Like, I did like his, like I say, I recognised a few, but I'd say he's a miss, but then he's still going on now, so he must be doing a summit, right? But personally, overall, a miss, just because I don't think it was as appealing and he worked, he, it was a lot of variation in the different songs that he'd done rather than staying down one. So if he kept with Our Friends Electric Cars, We Are Glass, that type of route, I'd say a hit, but with others it weren't as weren't as much so i suppose i mean the way you buy music these days is totally different to how i bought it and obviously people then before me bought it because before it was obviously singles finals the album was vinyl when it was me we still bought singles on vinyl but the album's obviously on cassette so you could listen to a whole album outside your own house as i said last week you know oh the week before with the walkmans or you know even in the car in the late 80s or the early probably more 90s um and obviously cds then come about whereas now it's all done by streaming you don't have to stream a whole album you just you can choose what you want to so i suppose what i'm saying is with buggles you would you would that's a song you would hear and say oh i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna download that buy it purchase it however you do it and and listen to that on your um, what do you call it playlist with gary newman i suppose what i was going to say is you wouldn't go out then and buy his new album that's coming out no well we don't have to like literally this album on spotify so it was i pay a certain amount a month and then i can i don't have to buy music i literally just spend a certain amount a month and i've got everything but do the art get the money yeah like they get it it's streaming now rather than downloading so if i went on and listened to him it would up his 
monthly listeners and then he'd get it from there and then the more monthly listeners you get that's how they then or like not the monthly listeners i guess it's more the more your songs streamed that's how they then do the charts instead of how many buys you've got so and i guess the thing the thing that i've noticed with these like when you type in an artist so when i was trying to find more for buggles you type in and literally it comes up with popular so the way it does it is it'll be like the popular ones it shows the first popular five and then you scroll down you see the popular releases and then you can see all of their albums and you can pick and choose from there so if me for example if you just gave me four people to listen to and didn't send me any of their hits i'd just type them in and probably listen to the first five which were the popular ones and i wouldn't hear anything else unless i liked them like me i i'm someone that if i like them i might listen to a bit more and i'm very much like my variation of music that i listen to is quite broad um, compared to other people scott you know like my brother Scott he literally only listens to certain music he won't go and listen to he will not be interested in any of this it's not up his street at all no well that's why I'm doing this with you and not him <laughs> <laughs> not up his street at all so he, yeah. he wouldn't change where he's going whereas and he likes one person and that's it kind of thing whereas me I would listen to I might not necessarily like the person but if I hear a song I like I might indulge in them a bit more but I only might like one song out of them um, and then obviously you've got the people that you do like and you will listen to their whole album so that's how Gary Newman's carrying on isn't he he's got his yeah, fans yeah. and yeah, cool. they'll be the ones that listen to his whole song because like you with a ha you know you have your people that you will go out and be like I know they've got an album but yeah so it's nowadays I mean when I first started listening to music I would have to buy CDs and I had a Walkman but obviously it weren't it was evolved from then it was a cd one um but then obviously we went into the streaming and we had ipods and then you bought your music and now you pay and you stream so it is a lot different and i've gone from one to like i'm i guess i'm the generation that's gone from one to the other like i'm the i've gone over two platforms whereas um the younger generation will only ever have the streaming or you for example have only ever had to buy and you don't really understand all the things I've done both. Yeah, so obviously I went from vinyls. I mean, I went from vinyls to cassettes to CDs. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I mean, it's funny because I had to go out and pretty much replace my whole albums from either vinyl or cassette to then CDs because obviously the quality of listening, although I, to be honest, I, I now still go out and buy vinyl. It's nice to to, to listen to a vinyl music. In way They've come back yeah, a bit, Yeah, exactly, because people are saying that, that sound of the music is is probably just as good as um as or more to your ears and the the crispiness of listening to it for a cd it's too perfect i suppose to be fair i i i still buy i mean i haven't bought a cd in ages but um i do still have cds like i think i'm very like i think if people came looked at me they'd be like becky you're very like old school um, and I don't know whether I get that from you. Like even now with like DVDs, like I will still buy a DVD, even though that's gone the same way. And you pay and you like a monthly subscription, and you can watch everything online. But I will still prefer to buy a DVD. Um, like I say, I've not bought a CD, but I would. I do like a hard copy. Like I do like it. But that's just me, and it might have, it might come from you. I don't know, or it might just be me. Okay. Um, but yeah, people don't do that now. But 
And uh, lastly, then New Order. Um, so, like I say, I think they were the most popular, and um, I'd say them ones are a hit. All their songs. I mean, I don't think there was many. Like I say, like Blue Monday, that was, you can still, I mean, we are still in the electric and not as raw as last week, but still quite raw. But these ones were more a hit, I think. They'd be ones that, again, like Ultravox, I'm not as embarrassed to play in front of other people. Um, I'd put them on. So I'd say they're still a hit now. And I agree with what you mean, like Joy Division might have gone somewhere if the tragedy didn't happen. Yeah, um, we'll never know, unfortunately. Um, but I suppose, you you know, if, as I say, I mean, New Order is literally the same same um, lineup apart from you haven't got Ian Curtis as the vocals now. Yeah, and when I was listening to them, you could tell that they were similar. So, yeah, so much the same as last week then. So, you know, last week it was one out of four, this week one out of three. So... At least it's still light, you know, it, we've not had a, a blowout on any of the weeks. OK, well, on to next week now then. And I'm looking forward to this one. So we've already touched on with Gary Newman. We're going into the new romantics now. So we're going with some big players next week. What's the difference between new wave and new romantics? Uh, new wave is, is the music, um, I suppose, coming out of what the 70s and that was into a more upbeat. I don't, I'll, I'll be honest, I've looked it up. I still can't work out myself what new wave is. It seems to cover a whole range of music, more, you know, like the 80s. Um, but the new romantics is more on how they looked um, rather than the music, I think. Okay, so the video should be interesting then. Yes. So you have got Martha and the Muffins, Bandau Ballet. Bandau Ballet or Spandau Ballet? Spandau Ballet. We said Bandau and I was like, is this some parody of them? No, Spandau Ballet, Duran Duran and Arcadia. So I recognise two out of four of them. There you go. So it should be good next week. Yeah. So we're now starting. So they are, I mean, Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran, I'm guessing are the two you've heard. Yeah. <laughs> and they are two of what was known as the big four in the 80s. You're saying that last week. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it, is, that a, is that a woman coming into it then? Have I finally got an answer to, are there any girl groups, Martha and the Muffins? Is that a woman? It is. Okay. So they did exist. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Oh, so I'm looking forward to that one then. See how the women were because it will show. Because obviously it's just been very manly and the voices, they're all very deep and they sound not. I don't want to get your hopes up too much, though. They only had one hit. They were one hit wonder, but what a hit. Oh, I think. Well, so, I recognize anyway. it. Like how Buggles and that new video killed Freddy. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll find out next week. You'll find out, obviously, while listening and we'll find out next week. Okay. And definitely before we go, um, have a listen to Gary Newman and Two Boy Armies, um, Our Friends Electric, against the Sugar Babes, Freak Like Me. Yeah, I've got that written down. Okay. See if I'm as shocked as the Coldplay ones. Yes. On that, we will wrap up and say goodnight. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dad. It's definitely been a mind-blowing week. Yes. Thanks for that. That's fine. Right, and I'll see you next week. You will indeed. Bye. Bye, Dad.